Tim. Yes, sir. Episodio cuatro de Stats No Matter, or El Nombre Real. Estadísticas no importa. What the hell is what? Oh, sorry, sorry. I was practicing my Spanish earlier. Uh, <laughs> yeah. En este episodio, Tim y yo hablamos de basketball, baseball y hockey. Gracias a todos los oyentes de Stats No Matter. Realmente apreciamos el apoyo. En nuestras tazas de esta semana, una cerveza con café de Westbrook, Maine y una cerveza palida en día de Nueva York. Encuentra este podcast en Apple, Google, Spotify y Stitcher. Tim, vamos. I don't know what you just said, but uh, I'm assuming that meant let's go. Yes, yes. So I just said, look, episode four, Stats of Matter, or as it goes by its real name, Stats Don't Matter. Statistics Don't Matter. Uh, in this episode, we're going to talk baseball, basketball, hockey. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening to the Stats of Matter podcast. We appreciate your support. And in our cups this week, it's a coffee beer from Westbrook, Maine, and an IPA from New York. And you can find our podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher. Tim, let's go. And I would suggest, I mean, I know that you got your son into fishing and skiing and riding like a crazy <laughs> bike man. But I mean, I don't know, since this kid has an aptitude for learning everything, why don't you just have him pick up a language and then you'll be completely fine. You'll know exactly uh, what I just said. Yeah. So on the ride to fishing today, uh, he counted to 10 in Spanish approximately 100 times. So, so you should know at least. Yeah, you should live at least one to ten. But, you know, so when I said yeah. Episodio Cuatro, you should have been like uh, four, something. Uh, maybe he's talking about golf. Who knows? Yeah, you'll get it. It's, yeah, it's coming. He, he's already smarter than is. I am, and he'll end up teaching me in the long term all of these things. So. One of these days, we're going to get a guest on who doesn't speak English, and they only speak Spanish, and it's going to be the podcast that, like, I co-host. And I'm going to be, like, in a furrow brow, like, the entire time. Not because, like... I'm super interested in what that person has to say, but because I know that Google Translate can't act quick enough. And even though I took six <laughs> years of Spanish, like there's still stuff I forget. Like when I typed out that um, that intro in Spanish, I typed what I thought it was, what I remembered it. Yo, Google Translate was like, no, try again. All right. <laughs> so if anybody who listens to this speaks fluent Spanish, feel free to call out Sam. I had no creative control over this whatsoever. Oh, uh, listen to him. We're also, still, we're also still waiting for... Uh, all of those fans from India, we see you guys. We see you listening. We appreciate your downloads. Please, if there's someone or anybody you know who would like to come on, have a conversation with us about anything, anything you want, sports or not, feel free to come on and join. We'd love to have you on. Do you even know like what time zone India is in? You know, if, if they're that far ahead of us, because I'd want to definitely make sure that. Uh, I mean, they're way ahead of us. They are, we yeah, are, they're way ahead of us. They're, I mean, when I put. I, I want to say a good eight to 12 hours ahead of us. So we'll have to figure the timing out of that. Yeah. Uh, but hey, I'd make I'd make that effort for these downloads. Uh, I, I sure would too. Um, I mean, I'm going to I'm going to tag hashtag India in the, <laughs> the, the Instagram <laughs> podcast. Post, so. All right, Tim, let's let's get into it. You got a beer this week. You're not on the Blanton train, but it sounds like you're doing the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I'm going to acquire Blanton, disregard currency, or what is it? <laughs> acquire currency, disregard woman. Is that, is that what the... Uh, uh, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I have since acquired another one or two uh, since the last podcast. But uh, tonight I'm, I'm hopping back on the old train, at least for the night. 
my local package store had a favorite of mine so spoiler alert i have had this one before but i've not rated it before mm. or had it on this podcast but it is one of my favorites so i couldn't uh i couldn't turn it down i was excited to to, to have it for today's podcast um so i'll start i'll dive right in all righty so i have make it nice uh from sloop the new england ipa um it's one of those that you can find relatively distributed now that covid has become uh you know increasingly helpful in finding some of these beers that were harder to get um we would get the occasional sloop but not very frequently um, this one's super fresh. It's an IPA brewed with flaked oats, flaked wheat, and a little bit of milk sugar. Now, normally I'm not a big fan of milk sugars in my IPAs. I think it tends to make them a little too heavy, uh, a little too thick-ish, but this is one of those that uh, I, I really like. Um, and you can tell right off the bat when you open it, I, you can't really see it, Sam, but the foam on this is not even like typical foam it comes out like a pure white very interesting yeah i've actually i I had a chance to have a sloop keg on right right when i first got the uh the good old kegerator there shout out to craig and i'm not gonna lie man the uh having an ipa on tap was pretty great but my goodness (laughs) it's it's hard it's hard to mess with the foam you know lagers and pilsers it's easier you can you can mess with it um you know a couple psi and it'll be really fine but yeah some of those hoppier beers they really require like you gotta you gotta punch them in the face yeah. a lot of CO2. and like this one this one comes out like oh really crisp and clear it comes out more like a like a lager would or like a pilsner that pure white you know super bubbly um super fragrant head on the top of it which is great normally they're like that off white color or or whatever but Let's go. Yeah, see, it's nice. The it has like a pretty heavy citrus flavor when you first hit it, but that milk sugar comes in with like the sweetness on the back end. But it still maintains the IPA bitter, which is not something you normally get out of something that has milk sugar in it, and it's not something. Generally, if you're trying to slug a bunch of, you know, extra sugared IPAs, you're not looking for that bitter, which is probably why I like this one as much as I do. It has that bitter to kind of offset some of that extra sweetness you get from the, you know, the natural sweetness from all the hops that are in here being a New England IPA, but that added sugar element might push it over the top. But for me, that sort of bitter sweep that comes through the end kind of hones that down quite a bit. Um, yeah, this is, this is actually one of my favorite New England style IPAs and it's, it's kind of funny that it's regularly distributed or at least semi-regularly distributed. I don't see it often, but I see it, you know, every few months and it's one I get all the time. So I'm going to give this one, uh, I'll, I'll give this one a four or five, four or five. Yeah. I, I really enjoy this one. I know it's not going to be for everybody. Some people are going to kind of look at me funny when they see Sloop now that it's, distributed and contract brewed and whatever but if i'm going straight up flavor profile for me in my personal opinion this is one of my favorites this is one that if i saw it on a menu i would order it if i saw it in a package store i will buy it in fact 
they didn't even have a full four pack of this. They had one can left in their like single selection aisle. And I bought it to go along with the other stuff I was buying just so that I could have one. Mm. That's that's the best. That's probably one of the only things I really miss about uh, grocery stores and like, you know, Maine and Washington and some of those other big craft beer places. Like you just go to the grocery store and you just just make it like a you know, your own six pack of craft beer. And it's like actually great, fantastic craft beer instead of going to other places like, oh, do you want the uh, lining kugel? That's craft. Did you want the <laughs> lining kugel wheat? That's craft. Did you want the, what, what are the Corona seltzer? It's like, guys, come on, put something else on the shelf. Not an elf. We're not there. Yep. <laughs> Got a few months to go. Uh, All righty. That one was a bad one. That was a bad one. Well, you don't even have a kid yet. You don't even have a kid yet. I can't. I can't let it. I can't let that pass, Dave. Because I see too much of you, Mooks, putting this stuff on social media. Oh, day seven of Elf on a Shelf. I'm, hey, we parents, not, we can you help me figure out where else to put the the Elf? Like Google is a thing, right? Isn't there like we, an Elf on the Shelf Reddit? Like, can't you figure all probably. this out? Probably. We uh, we don't we don't have Elf on the Shelf though. So, mention a bench. Nothing. Ah, uh, you got nothing. As I am wont to do, I like to collect these craft beers, sort of like Pokemans, right? And uh. I got the coffee Gunner's Daughter from Mass Landing. Now, I've had Gunner's Daughter before. I, I think, you know, I've, I've reviewed it on the podcast. I know we've definitely talked about it. It's one of those sweet stouts. Now, this is the coffee version. There's also an imperial version. I haven't caught that one in the wild yet, right? Been been going to all these gyms and uh, trying to, you know, get more supplies and, you know, fighting some battles to get an imperial Gunner's Daughter. I haven't really got there yet. And if you don't play Pokemon Go, you won't get any of those references. But that's okay. Um, I don't either anymore. <clears throat> Anyways, Liar. this is no, no I, I deleted. I needed. I need space on my phone. <laughs> All the fantasy sports <laughs> apps. I just. <laughs> uh, it was cool though. It was, you know, short sidebar. When that game first came out, we would take the dog for a walk down this place called Rustin Way in Tacoma, Washington, and it's it's like you know, kind of like the Back Bay or whatever, and. We would just like walk and there were so many like little stops along the way. And everyone was playing that game at that time when it first came out in like 2016. So we were walking the dog. And after like the first mile and a half, I think he realized that like we were just going to keep walking and stopping and walking and stopping. So he just decided, hey, I'm done. And he just laid down. He was like, I'm not getting up. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's when I was like, okay, I guess I guess we got to go. But we, we, we got our steps in for the day. Anyways, back to the beer. Um, still a lot of uh, peanut butter on the nose. Not so much coffee. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens when everyone knows the rules. One step, right? <laughs> I love how I love how Dave says that, and then proceeds to eat like fourteen bites, including the crust. Oh yeah, because I don't think he swallows. Yeah, he just keeps going. <laughs> takes a bite. Takes a bite. Goes back. Takes a bite of the crust. That goes back to it. Whilst saying everybody knows the rules, one bite, one bite, four, five times. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty good. So I, I will say right off the top, um, it's. If I had to rank this against the other Gunner's daughter, this isn't this isn't going to win that contest. This is definitely thinner. I, I definitely do taste the peanut butter and the chocolate still in it, but it's more muted. And the coffee flavor kind of tastes like you know I, I get the ground beans, but I don't necessarily get as much of that sweetness. And you know, in a milk style, you're, you're kind of looking for that. Um, I, I don't hate it, but I, I hope that the imperial version, should I ever get my hands on it, uh, it packs a little more flavor. This is five and a half percent eminently drinkable i mean i this to me this is like a breakfast beer literally corned beef hash maybe some uh some plays some some flapjacks those are pancakes for all you gen z folks out there who don't know what that is but uh 
What did you, what did you call them again? Oh, flapjacks. That's what, that's yeah, what pancakes What did you are. say before that? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Or ploys. Okay. That, that's what they call them in northern Maine. But, but they're buckwheat pancakes up there. Have you, uh, you ever been to the uh, county? <laughs> I don't even know technically what the county is called, but I've been to parts of... I've been so far north that instead of driving, uh, it was like a, a pre-wedding reception for a destination wedding that a bunch of us couldn't go to. So shout out to Dan Wyatt. Uh, instead of driving up, uh, he decided to surprise me with a flight up in his small Cessna airplane, which I didn't even know he was a pilot of. So we actually flew up there and it still took two hours where we showed up, partied all night and then turned around and flew back and flew directly into a, uh, a storm, which, uh, going into it seemed like somewhat fun and then turned into something super sketchy whilst he was letting me fly the can I say that while he was letting me fly course, the plane? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. It's, his, um, it's his podcast license. What are we worried about? You know what I mean? Not a big deal. Yeah, no, no. Uh, no, but shout out to Dan. That was uh, that was great. Had we driven, it would have been like nine to ten hours. I also went up somewhere along the. Oh, Canadian you can do it. You can New do York it in less border. than nine. Think, yeah, that's because once you get beyond like, Bangor. yeah, even before that, but you get beyond Bangor, they're not even. So anybody who's never been that far north in maine uh they just stopped naming areas and they started just identifying them by numbers on a map yeah, like so it's like t- 743 or whatever yeah, trp 16 trp 17 and when you get far enough north they don't even have town police it's like border patrol is also the local police so uh <laughs> also when you see all the pictures of the moose that's where it's from if you're going to Maine, go to like the the New York, Canada, Maine border, New Hampshire border, Vermont border. You will go out anytime around dusk. You'll see about a hundred moose. Oh yeah, that's that's the yeah. best part though, right? You you uh you get off ninety five north and you get on Route one and pretty much you're part of the food chain at that point until you get to you know like uh, Saint Agatha or uh, Caribou Presque Isle. Oh man, I mean, you yeah. are you are up there, and if and if you're on Route 11, you know what I mean, where there's not a whole lot of streetlights, and you see a moose, just keep going, and just hope that yeah. the moose isn't in front of you. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a beautiful thing. The county's a beautiful place. Don't, also, don't, don't get off. out of your car. Don't get out of your car, especially <laughs> as, yeah. for for two reasons. Don't do it one, for, cloud. <laughs> yeah. for two reasons. One, you're just gonna slow down traffic and look like an idiot when everybody drives by and sees you taking a picture of a giant moose. But two. Moose are notoriously aggressive, especially when it comes to like rutting season or mating season. So if you get caught outside during mating season of your car trying to take a picture of this moose, uh, there's a solid chance he's going to run you down and trample you. Not only do they step on you, but then they kick you while you're down. (laughs) I mean, all you have to do, all you you really got to do to know why you shouldn't fuck with moose is just Google moose chases snowmobile. I was just going to say it. that. That's if all you got to do. Yeah. When a snowmobile is brapping along at like 45 miles an hour and the guy's turning around and looking and he's got the, the camera going and the moose is like 10 feet from him, that tells me all I need to know. Just let the moose be the moose, man. You know, they're yeah. like bears. They Stop also, doing it for clout. They're a little crazy. They are a little crazy. Flies uh, actually drive a moose mildly insane during the summer. The point where like sometimes they just lash out. Because they're so tired of it. And I got to relate. 
Man, I gotta relate. Because mosquitoes because are the worst. Flies are... <laughs> mosquitoes are the worst. The black flies. Somehow, when I was young, playing baseball, you just swat them away with your glove. No big deal. Now that I'm like sitting in my backyard doing yard work, or when you mow the lawn and you're just getting like dive bombed in the eyeballs by black flies. No, no, no. You don't if wear like a. Wild, you don't. You don't wear a pair of those like you know, permaclear, like ANSI approved, like safety glasses with like a, a safari hat on. And you you like, do you not wear I, PPE I not. when you mow the lawn time? I, I, I do not. I do not. Uh, yeah. No, uh, I, uh, I go straight up. I'll, I'll, I'll wear sneakers because you know, my dad told me I'd cut my toes off when I was a kid. Now I can't yeah, stop but, thinking about but, it. <laughs> yeah, but if you were to run over something, it would just go to your toes anyways. I mean, it would, yeah, I well, guess it would stop some of it. Still. Uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Judging by okay. how my, I react during the summer, I could see why a moose would lose its fucking mind. So, oh yeah, I mean, I would too. You know, if, if the moose yep. is going by, because the moose is smart. You know, the, the moose is looking. They're like Maine, 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 Massachusetts, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, New York, <laughs> New York, New York, New York. Who is this guy from Virginia? And I'm like, hey, what's up? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get this, this Carter, you know, this this corner of the bingo card to keep my main cred up. You know what I mean? I got, I gotta do these things. I gotta eat a lobster, a red snapper. I gotta have a glass of moxie. I gotta take a photo with a moose. You know, I, I just Ugh. gotta do these things once a year, or I lose my main card. Not to be yeah. confused with the actual main card, but all right, we we went completely down a rabbit hole here. Yeah, let's talk about hockey, Tim. We, we we've we've sort of talked about this, uh, but we haven't really kind of dug into it. NHL. We're not going to talk about what happened in, in uh, the last season with the, the double bubble, not like the bubblicious gum, but they had two sites up in Canada. That's where they held most of the season. That's where the uh, the Stanley Cup champion was crowned. And to be honest, I, I kind of thought as we were moving into this year that, you know, you're going back to play in your home city. You're going to travel a little bit. You're going to get a chance maybe to see some fans, you know, as the vaccine kind of progresses along and they start opening things back up. I just thought we would kind of see a different product. And I got to be honest, in the first part of the season, I was like, okay, the Bruins kind of start off hard, you know, hot and and cold, and they were playing hard and then not. And then, man, I mean, it was like, we talked about it in between episodes. We're like, we should talk with the Bruins. I'm like, yeah, they're like second in the East. And now they're like fourth in the East. Oh, you know, Claude Julian might come. Yeah, okay. Does that really matter at this point? Oh, <laughs> what what is going on? Well, COVID has canceled games. Hold on. You mean to tell me that the the NHL, the team that went months without a positive test whatsoever in a bubble, had families and friends come in. Now we're just in the regular season and, and teams are catching COVID. Like, what the hell is going on? And that's kind of where we're at right now. The Bruins are currently on a suspended play because they have five players in the COVID-19 list. Corrali, Pasternak, Krejci, Smith, and DeBrusque. So, paging Brad Marchand, like, are, are you going to carry the team or not? Because we know Chara can't definitely stop these teams from putting all these offensive points up. And it's just like, if there was a perfect storm of what you don't want in a what you would want to call a rebuilding season for the, for the Bruins, it has to be what we're seeing right now. I mean, in the last five games this month, four dubs, four losses. That's that's the month of March right there, right? So the last five games, you're kind of split in series. Caps, Rangers, Penguins. They're also 0-2 in shootouts in the month of March. And those shootouts occurred within six days of each other. So could you have used Chara in rotational roles? Yes, you could have. But if you had just convinced him, like, we need you on defense, like, you might not have as big of a role, but we're not going to, like, put you in a reserve role. Like, you could have found something. Like, 
the teams that we're beating, we should beat. And the teams that we're losing to, like, this doesn't make any sense. And especially when you split the series with the Capitals where Chara is now like, okay, good for you. Moral victory, I suppose, that you, that you happen to get one of those. Like, come on. I mean, I for me, I don't know if I necessarily think Chara as big of a loss is as big of a loss for this team as I think Tori Krug was. I think that is one that they're reeling a little bit more from because not only did he have the defensive side down, but he was also offensive, but a lot younger than Chara. I'm as I'm a Bruins fan. Was it great to see that man play as long as he did? Yeah. Would it have been better to see him kind of retire and go out as a Bruin? I would have liked that more than watching him go on to another team. But for me, I mean, he was still playing well, but he was definitely up there in age. You had to start making some moves in order to kind of develop some guys internally. And I thought Krug would have been the guy to kind of take over that mantle. And unfortunately, when you lose both of them at the same time, that stings a little bit more. And I don't know if they're necessarily doing a good job kind of overcoming that team early in the season through like the beginning of February to like the tail end of February, they were looking great. Uh, you had Cassidy come in with his plan that here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to bring in younger guys. We're going to bring in faster guys. They're going to be able to skate. Well, we're going to play high tempo and it worked for a bit. And then COVID started happening. You had games that started getting dropped. And I mean, what, what's been crazy about this year is that, there's not a lot separating their position from first place. There's yeah five games. They're, they're five games back, but it's just a, a very competitive season uh, across the board. They have averaged the almost point by point, stat by stat, league average in really every statistic. The only one they're still leading on is losses. Right, they have the league average wins, which puts them exactly at the middle of the pack. Uh, goals against, goals allowed, all of that stuff. They are perfectly mediocre. Yet somehow they haven't lost as many games as a league average. Well, that's partly because they've missed a lot of those games that just weren't played. Um, so it's hard to say. I think if it's a if it's a completely healthy team, I think they have a very different look. The problem is the chemistry seems to be, and we're going to talk about this with the Celtics as well because I think the Celtics oh, yeah. are in the same boat. Uh, I think what it comes down to is they're not just they're just not meshing yet. I mean, there was a fair amount of turnover going into this season, coming off of a pretty weird season last season with COVID, and now you've got a little bit more freedom. Um. Uh, you still don't have full fan capacity, so it doesn't quite feel the same, even though some of the you're not you're no longer playing in a bubble. But for me, I think it just comes down overall to chemistry. I think Marshan's doing well enough. I think uh I think Bergeron is doing well enough. They both uh are in top ten in points and goals scored. So it's not like they're completely out. Pasternak is also in the I wanna say he's in like the top ten or fifteen. He's goal leading scored. in goals. Yeah. Yeah. For, uh, he's leading in goals on the team. He's leading in, uh, he's tied for hat tricks, but I think he's, I mean, I think Connor McDavid is leading in almost every scoring category across the board. Uh, but I want to say Pasternak is probably like in the top 10 or top 15 in overall uh, goals scored. 
So it's not like they have guys who aren't stepping up and playing. I just think the team itself as a whole is not coming in. They've, they've taken quite a few games into overtime. You've mentioned the shootouts. They have four overtime losses uh, on the season already. So that's a lot. That, that, yeah, that's a lot. I mean, flip, flip any one of those around, and now you're flirting with second place because now you've got 20 games instead of, you know, 16, 16 games. Yep. So uh, I think it's just kind of an interesting season. I, I, I think it boils down the chemistry you have all these young guys who are now in on the team that um you know when you saw when you saw the bruins over the last few years when they came really close and they were competing well even the ones where they're kind of overachieving in the playoffs um you knew the core group the core group was playing well if things were going south they had no problem with moving guys down you know or sitting a guy shaking up the lines a little bit because you knew there were people there who would be willing to to step up and make that difference. And I think they're kind of void of some of that gap filling, right? You had the Malo line for a while that really carried a lot of the weight, despite not being the starting line. Uh, and I think that's just not there right now. Now we'll see what happens as everyone kind of gets back healthy. I know Thursday's game is up in the air. They're not even sure if that's going to happen right now. Uh, <sighs> like if, if you had told me the beginning of like the 2021 season, yeah. Oh, we don't know if this game's gonna be played because there's a COVID outbreak. Like, I get it. I get it. But you're you're yep. you're 25 games like plus into the season right now. Like, what? Like, did you take your eye off the uh, off the puck? Like, what what happened here? I, it just doesn't yep. make sense to me. And I I think as you said, you, you get some games that go the other way, and, and they're they're second in the division. So so necessarily you can't just look at the at the division and just say, oh man, the season's over, right? They're in fourth. Like, yeah. only five games back. They, they, but a lot of has to happen. You got those other teams that got to drop those games and you got to start kind of, you know, catching fire and you can't catch fire if you're not on the ice. Yeah. You know, I mean, one, one of the things you can kind of look at and say is, okay, well, all of this is just one COVID outbreak away from kind of evening up, you know, the entire division, right? Bruins. It's, it's not like, it's not like the NHL Bru- has a ton of these, you know what I mean? No, so but if the Bruins like- haven't played five games because of COVID or they, you know, let's, let's call it two or three games. If they haven't played a couple of those games because COVID, five games is enough. If they win three of those, now they're sitting in second or third place. If they won yep. all five of those, now we're back in first place. So it's it's kind of a weird thing that we still need to kind of get adjusted to as things go on because this kind of stuff is going to come up over and over and over again. One of the major problems is that uh, <laughs> of everything going on, uh, one of the stats that the Bruins do lead in is the one you don't, don't want to lead in because uh, you can hold your own when you're going five on five. We're at five on five. We're actually above the league average when going five on five. <coughs> Excuse me. But uh, Trent Frederick leads the league in penalty in minutes. Oof. So Oof. when you're struggling a little bit when you are down a man and you're leading in one of your players is leading the league in penalty minutes. Obviously that's not helping you at all. And I don't know about you, but that's the, you know, recently yeah. I had never heard about this man until just recently. And it was in conversation of the amount of penalties that he's racking up. So yeah, you, you don't want to be known for that. That'd be like no, being known as a kid that fails all the classes just to try and prove a point. You're like, all right, Spicoli, <laughs> whatever. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I got to say it, right? Like, Chara would have been that guy 
who like had penalty minutes and then it wouldn't have been you know, like, it doesn't solve everything. Right. But like some of those things would have gone necessarily to other players on the team. And we, we probably could have not seen the Bruins in, in the state that they are right now. And uh, look, I, I get it. You know, we've been in the pandemic for over a year. Like people are going to slip up at some point. I, I'm not blaming the Bruins for having a COVID outbreak. I'm, I'm really not. I'm just saying that like the way last season ended, I mean, this is just me. Like, if that was the way last season ended, I would want to put a stamp on this season. And playing in a tough division doesn't help. But I mean, you got you got to show out when 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 you get the chance. And I mean, that that kind of brings us into this next point here. That like the trade deadline is coming up, April twelfth. And thankfully, the the Bruins are rumored to be on the prowl, according to Boston Hockey News, for a top four left shot defenseman and a top six winger. I don't know why they couldn't just go top five both. I mean, let's just split the difference, but. They're looking to contend for Buffalo Sabres winger Taylor Hall, Devils winger Kyle Palermi, and the Blue Jackets defenseman David Savard. Nashville's predator Matthias Eklund, he's, he's there as well. But this is the craziest thing. I did see this on the interwebs. There's rumor about P.K. Subban. The dude is getting paid $9 million a year. He's absolutely yep. not great for the cap, but at this point, I do not care. I need this dude to come in like Captain America needed everyone to come back to life to defeat Thanos. Spoiler if you haven't seen the game, you know, that movie <laughs> yet. But like we there has to be something that's got to change with this team because like they're 16, 8, and 4 right now, or 8 and 5, whatever it is. But like, let's say you lose a couple more, you know, games because you had players with COVID, right? Like you're gonna get to a point where the distance is insurmountable. Why not just infuse something? Like you're talking about wanting to get guys that are younger to skate faster. Chip Kelly had the same idea with the Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to run you. We're going to tire you out. We're going to run 84 plays a game. Cool. What's going to happen when the league figures that out and adjusts to that? And it's, I don't want the Bruins to fall trap into that necessarily and just say like, oh, we're, we're going to get a whole bunch of young, fast guys and are going to skate really hard. Like, okay. I would rather have people whose gate three quarters is hard and they're up there in hats, assists, goals. Like that, that's that's what I would prefer. I would, I would much rather prefer you have a, a car that could – I don't even know how to say this, so I'm just going to say it. I would much rather you put $25,000 into a Honda Civic knowing that you know what the ceiling it is than like say, I'm going to go and spend $150,000 on this car that I have no business driving whatsoever, like an old Lamborghini. Like why? Because it's a Lamborghini. Okay. There's some of these players like um, – oh, Jesus. Are you saying – hold on, just so that I understand. Are you saying you do or you do not want Subban? Uh, I do. I, I do. Okay. I, I just feel like, you know what I mean? Like he, he got dumped from uh, the Preds to, to the to the Devils. And I think that was that was a salary cap move. I mean, nine million a year is a lot anyways. Yeah. So um, the, problem right, I, I just, the problem right now with teams like the Lightning and the Bruins is that they have almost no space left. There's no way to add to a team unless you cut from a team. So, I mean, we would, we would have to figure out who it was that we nicked going into the season and if the point is you know riding this young talent and then developing it from within and seeing where that goes i just i, I hate I mean, that style I, of I thought i, I, I mean, just i hate that let's get let's get younger on this side of the puck let's get younger on this side of the ball like but, i mean it was working though it was working for a while you had guys like it was Passano working until it and did you it. had guys like i this is this is where we got to start thinking about what didn't and did means are we saying did or didn't work in comparison to the league or are we talking about 
by Bruins standards because the Bruins were in the conversation all but, you know, uh, one or two years over the last few. In fact, they went deep into the playoffs a couple times. They actually lost the Stanley Cup in the last few years. So it's not like it's, I, I don't know if I would necessarily go so far as to say it's not working. It's just, it's not quite enough to get to the end. So you got to say, okay, what are we going to do? We're going to bet the farm for a couple of years with a guy like PK and then yeah. suddenly end up again in salary cap problem because I think baseball is suffering the same problem. You overspend for one player. You don't really have enough to, to build it on the side. And a guy like PK, unless he's like an unrestricted free agent, there's not a lot of trading room you have. There, there's not a lot of guys on your team that are high enough caliber to pull in someone like that unless you're really going to take a hit. And then it becomes, all right, is the cost worth the value and what the player is going to bring? Do I think he can bring a lot to the table? I do. I like PK a lot. But who are we going to give up? Because it's not going to be a bunch of these no names that we were just talking about. It's going to be a bigger player and one or two of those younger players if it goes out in some sort of trade deal. And I don't know who, who of the big players. We, we already lost two. We see what this team looks like losing... Uh, losing Chara and and, yeah. and and those guys. So, like I I don't know. As I work my way down through the roster, what caliber of player do we have where I'd be willing to be like, ah, hey, you know what? Let's let him go. Is it going to be Marshawn, Pasternak, no. Charlie McAvoy, nope. David Krejci? Like, I mean, you you look at the top players you would likely have to put on the block to bring a guy like that in unless you're trading away like three or four of your uh and, lower and maybe that's players. and maybe that's what you do if, if you think that like you know going young and skating fast is, is all about like what's going to get you there like maybe you do swing for the fences the problem is is that like they've seen that they're a victim of their own success they're they're a victim of the fact that like whatever their standard is it got them to the stanley cup in which they lost and then last year they got bounced so like they're obviously seeing like hmm if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, like it's a duck, like we're fine with it. It's cool. But like, what is PK doing for, for the devils? Nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like go and swing for the fence for a couple of years, maybe make a cut, like throw, throw caution to the wind just a little bit. Like I would love to see Marshawn, Krejci, Pasternak, Subban. Like that would, that would be a great team. Like we, we have to, I, I think like a lot of new England sports, like, they just kind of get behind this like myth, right? That like the, the superstar is just going to take pay cuts and everyone's going to want to be on team friendly deals. Like, no, sometimes you're going to have to have the, 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 the penny pinching, the squeeze. That's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to, you know, mortgage the farm for a couple of years. And it's not like you're a, a middling franchise. You're an established hockey, like icon, but here's, you're a here's, very, very big franchise. Like swing, here. swing, swing, swing. Yeah, but here's the thing. I don't know if PK is the caliber of player you're really going to swing for. So let's look at let's just look. I would at think this he's year. he's probably better than some of the lower end players that are probably getting a lot of minutes right now. You would think so. Yet these are these are. Are, are these, you about his, to hit me with a uh, una estadistico that does uh, not matter? Is that yes, what you're about to do? Be, yes, because if we're looking at all these young guys and that's what we're looking at, like what they're bringing to the team so far this season. He's only scored three points. He has three assists, and he only has 14 points in 29 games played. Last year, in 68 games, he only had seven goals, 11 assists, 
and a total of 18 points altogether in a total 79 penalty minutes. So maybe there's a little bit of writing on the wall there as to why some of these teams are looking to to make some moves when he was his last season with Nashville. Yeah, he had nine maybe. points and 22 assists, then it was six. He hasn't had more than 16 goals pretty much in his entire career. So Okay, so maybe he's not the guy to lead a franchise anymore. Maybe he's not there in his career, but you can go ahead and put him on a team, let him augment, for, right? For, for what, I mean, though? It's, like it's if, he's not, it, if he's not generating a lot of assists... If we got people on the bench right now because of COVID. You need someone to go out there and assist. You need someone to go out there and start. You need some some wit, some it's like some wit on the ice of there. You need some some shred of talent to like to, to kind of keep it all together. Like when he had Yager, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like we were. Oh, I wonder what we're gonna, I wonder what we're going to get from him. You know what you're going to get from him. It was the same way they tried to say Chara. You know we're going to put you in a reserve role and we don't think we're going to get a ton from you. You know what I mean? Like there are teams it, like the Capitals, for example, that are like, yeah, oh. We'll take your, you know, this is this is the rink of misfit toys. Like, we'll go ahead and give you all playing minutes. And what happens? You have that much knowledge and experience on the ice. Like, it does come together. And I just, they need they need a jolt. They need something. And maybe they need to, you know, skate into the, the locker room, being like, "Holy shit, we got nine million dollars over the cap. We got to figure out like how we're gonna how we're gonna play and make this work." You know what I mean, a, I'm just saying that maybe was need to up the ante a little bit. That was my question. Are you gonna? Are you trying to get him for the nine million dollars? Because I don't, I don't think that's the play. Like I no, don't think I, trying to bring think, him in. I think you gotta, you gotta trade. You gotta do something to to sort of see what. I mean, maybe maybe you go halvesy, right? I mean, I, I nine, think that nine million would put him over. He would he would be the highest played paid player on the entire Bruins roster if we brought him in at nine million. But yeah, I, mean, I don't, I don't necessarily not, think that. I don't think that's the play. I don't think he's a nine million dollar player. Like we would be immediately comparing him to someone like Pasternak or Charlie McAvoy. Now McAvoy is also underperforming a lot this season, uh, but he's a defensive player and has similar a similar stat line to PK, but makes about two million dollars less a year. Yeah, but again, like the way the salary cap like ebbs and flows, like you have to be willing to. Uh, you know, spend a little bit in some areas that you don't think you want to, right? Like if there was a fantastic goalie right now that was better than Halak or Rask, you're going to get him. You are. Whether you want the competition in the locker room or not, you're going to get them because you want to make sure that like you're set up for the future. And if that meant, for example, that you needed to roll with Halak and you might need to trade Rask, I mean, would it be best for the franchise? Of course not. You're moving someone who's a legend. You wouldn't, you wouldn't want to do that. But... I think they're playing a little too much with their hearts and not enough like with the people that they have on like on the ice. And, and I just think that it's, a, it's just feeling a little stale. And I don't know if it's just because they're yeah. stuck, you know, in. By the way, in, we have four goalies on, we have four goalies on our roster right now. So trade a couple of them for PK. I mean, <laughs> you know, they, like, the story writes itself. I, I don't, I don't want to get bogged down in that. You know what I mean? I just, I just feel yeah. like. I think, we're, I th- we're I think they need to the trade line. You got to do something. Yeah, I think they, they. I think a shakeup needs to come down, uh, but I don't know if that's necessarily the answer. To, I won't. I won't quite say the Bruins have been as good as the Patriots have been in this particular department. But and that's the myth, tend, right? That's- they've tend to find success with relatively lesser known individuals that we were able to develop from within. 
right? Like we had uh like Pasternak was a guy who came in. I remember seeing behind the B and they were talking about him uh making his way into the season and how he looked pretty good. Krug was one of those guys as well that you were, you know, kind of homegrown. McAvoy has been another one we've kind of developed. So Charlie Coyle, I mean, you can go down the list and see guys who have come in and done incredibly well, right? Like, of the guys on the roster that are leading in overall performance and goals and assists, all but one? No. In the top 10 players, only two of them were not drafted by Boston. One was drafted by Nashville, that's Craig Smith, and one was drafted by Anaheim, that's Nick Ritchie. But every other player in that top 10 was drafted by the Bruins as early as 2016. Oh, no, sorry, as early as 2017. So, yeah, I, I feel like I don't need any more Anaheim players. I mean, even though the new Mighty Ducks is on Disney Plus, go download it. You know what I'm saying? Go download the app and watch the film. Like, I'm over it. I'm over we've it. Got, we've only got uh, we only got a couple. We got Steve Camper. We got uh, who's it? Craig Wagner and and Smith, Richie. right? What's that? Or yeah, or Richie. Yeah, I thought I thought it was Craig Smith, but you said he came from the Preds. So yeah, I know. sorry. Yeah, Craig Smith came from the came from the Predators, but. It, like looking through, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen players on our roster right now that were all drafted by the Bruins. So their farm system has been treating them very, very well. Some of these young guys that they have playing are holding their own and doing well. Like every, actually <laughs> every single player under the age of 25, except for Connor Clifton, who came over from Phoenix and Nick Ritchie, who came from Anaheim are Bruins players like drafted and being developed everywhere from 2013 on. So they're doing. But 2013 is eight years ago. Right. So like, no, you can't say like, Oh, you've been in our farm system for a few years. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. You and I are both older than the average uh, <laughs> NHL player. So I will say we're past our yeah. glory days, but you know what I mean? Like if, if the idea is to skate fast and play young, like, yeah. okay, then go super young. And that means you might need to move on from some guys like, you know, Marshawn or, or Krejci, but I don't think you're going to do that because like, that's why you move Krug. Right, because you wanted to get something, but you didn't want to lose a ton. And I, I just don't know that necessarily what they're doing. You know, what I mean, like they could they could afford, I think, to cut a little bit more and, and see what happens. So I mean, we'll have to see. Yeah. Oh, looking at the age of some of these guys, these guys got drafted young because this guy drafted by Montreal in 2010 is only 28 years old. <laughs> wow. God, yeah. we are so old. So old. Yeah, this guy I'll drafted. I'll drink to that. This guy drafted in 2014. 10th. Uh, nope. Drafted in the first round. 22nd overall. Uh, or 10th overall is 25 years old. <laughs> Jeez. 
Jesus. So he was like 17 when he was drafted. Yeah. So some of these guys are drafted. Okay. So now now we're down this fun little rabbit hole just looking at these things. Uh, who's this? It's good. We, we don't give enough people. Uh... Oscar, Oscar Steen, uh, who's from, I think he's from Sweden. But anyway, uh, he was drafted in the sixth round, the 165th pick overall in 2016. Is 22 years old. You guys do the math on that real quick. <laughs> unbelievable. Five years ago. Five Ugh. years ago, he was drafted by Boston. He's 22 years old now. Imagine ethically, being that good I, at a smart. Ethically, I have questions, but you know, the, the sports fan in me is like, let's go! Yeah. Oh, how about, how about uh, Charlie McAvoy, who's 23 years old, was drafted in 2016 by the Bruins and is making $7 million, $7.3 million at 23 years old. Yeah. The glow up is real. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I saw, I saw the best card the other day, quick sidebar, the best like greeting card the other day. It was a happy birthday, uh, happy birthday, dad card. And yeah. on the front, it said, um, salaries, right. It said like doctor, um, musician, artist, whatever. And it said, uh, YouTube vlogger. <laughs> Or social media influencer, and it said like five hundred thousand dollars a year. You open the card, and it, this is I'm I'm dying. This is what it says. It goes, so dad, about that screen time argument, huh? <laughs> Truth. Truth. Man. Oh man. Okay. Well, I think I think we've we've probably beaten that dead horse as, as much as we can. Um, I think Sweeney's doing what he can. He, he wants to be aggressive. He wants to probably you know swing for the fences to get some players in there before the trade deadline. I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with what the coach is doing. Claude Julian is available. I think that the Boston Bruins would be sweet spot for a reunion, but that's just the nostalgia piano playing right now, right? That's, that's all I yeah. care about. I just want to get back to the times where we were destroying the lightning and just winning Stanley Cups. I just, I just want to get back there. I just, I just want to wrap it up into just a nice Boston Bruins blanket and just – Go to sleep. I, I don't know. I don't think we'll get back there anytime soon. But if the hard, new system hard, works, hard pass. Then... Hard pass. Yeah. <laughs> what the the nostalgia blanket? Uh no, I'm good with I, I I'm I'm good with Cassidy and what he's doing. I think uh, it's hard to follow up. I think, like Claude, I think with yeah, I think with Claude. I mean, Claude won us the Stanley Cup. Lost us the Stanley Cup. We were in the playoffs a bunch, but since Cassidy's been in, been in the playoffs a couple times, we lost the Stanley Cup as well. We're not that far off, so give him a few more years, and you know we may end up in the same same boat. But no, I'm impatient. I want my championships now. <laughs> damn it! <laughs> uh, the 2019 2020 season, I think, was like averaged win-loss ratio better than any of uh, Claude's seasons. So, there's that, at least. Yeah. Totes, my goats. Well, Tim, right. if we're going to talk about one team in the New England area that's giving us a whole bunch of head-scratcher moments because we don't feel they're quite living up to their expectation, you know what they're saying. Where there's smoke, there's fire. When there's one, there's two. We got to talk about the Boston Celtics. Celtics, what is you doing, baby? I, I don't, I, I don't know. And, and the hard part about the Celtics 
is this, is that the way I look at the team is I've always been a big fan of this team because they tend to do well and find success with relative no names. And that's what they've always done with guys like Brown and Tatum. Those guys are all now, you know, marquee Smart. players that you've heard of now. Morris. You're right. But when they first started playing, those weren't necessarily guys that you had heard of, you know, going into the going into their respective seasons. Now everyone knows who all those guys are. Everybody does. Mixing a guy like Campbell Walker, Gordon, like Kyrie. Oh, dude, that was that was a disaster. Yeah. But yeah, you mix guys. We all like get Kyrie. to it. We all get to it. Stats matter, listeners. Don't you yeah, worry. Yeah. We're gonna get to it. Yeah, yeah. We're taking so start... sage to the Celtics this episode. That's what we're doing. We're saging yeah. the Celtics. So you bring guys like that in, and it kind of messes with the chemistry. And at first, you're like, oh yeah, now we got some talent to offset this team. It's gonna be amazing. And then it gets in, and it just doesn't quite work out. Kemba's worked out a lot better than Kyrie has. Uh, Gordon Hayward. I thought he did well. He was just too injury prone to actually find a way to mesh with the team. Obviously, the team was better. Well, I'm going to backtrack that. Statistically, they weren't better when he was on the court. Like there was things that yeah. had gone on to kind of show that, but they felt like a more well-rounded team when he was on the court. Uh, but Tatum, Brown, Morris, those guys, they've been able to carry Rozier when he was here. They were able to rally around those guys. And they had this like underdog mentality where they were hungry and every night it was someone different who was carrying them all the way. That seems completely void this season. It seems yep. like they have sure does. no chemistry whatsoever. They are eighth in the East. They are just, they're, they're a game under 500, which is not something I thought I would be saying. No, it's terrible. Like They, just, they had too much talent to be there. Yeah, and what I, what I, what I can't, I mean, they don't have anybody on the team that's really a good three point shooter, and the team that the league has evolved aggressively to the three point era. Um, their field goal percentage is not bad, but most of the players are under five hundred in their field goal. I mean, it's just something about this team feels off like there's a piece missing i know there's been some big trade talks there's some thoughts about trying again to bring in more big talent but when you got guys oh. on your bench oh yeah yeah when you got guys on your bench who have made big time names for themselves you got to start wondering what are you going to give up to bring in some of those guys like are you willing to give up a tatum and a brown to bring in a marquee player when you found all of your success without those marquee players I know it's a weird league. It's a parody league. Everyone has uh, uh, a trio of superstar players now. Everyone's a powerhouse. And if you're not a powerhouse, why bother playing? It's what made the Miami Lakers uh, playoff <laughs> game last week. Oh, okay. Last, All right. Last I, season. Yeah. Sorry. It made last season. It's what made that as exciting as it did going into the playoffs. Because, yeah, did you have some. Some good players, but yeah, Tyler Hero, who was in there literally trying to hero his way through 
the playoffs mm. and you almost took down a Goliath yeah, of a team. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. And and now like you got you gotta wonder that's kind of what's starting to happen to this team. They're just going up against better teams. Personally, I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think the team is just kind of fumbling a little bit. They've lost their chemistry quite a bit, and they need something there to kind of help bond them back together. And I, I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's every time they've tried to bring in or introduce someone, you know, some high-profile talent, it hasn't necessarily worked out in their favor. So... Is yeah, that the they, answer for this? I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's the case, but the the chemistry is just not there. They just bring in one person every time, one person who who might be rumored to have attitude problems and, or an injury problem or something else, and they just move. They, you know, they just throw someone into the mix, and they wonder why it doesn't work out. Tim, these are the top scores from this past month. Okay, in the past month, Celtics four dubs, five losses. It's a Boston thing. You might want to check that water. I mean, we're lucky that. There's no other teams that are really playing hardcore right now because I suspect that it would be the same. Um, starting off in March, top scores, Kemba, 25. Next night, Tatum. Next night, Tatum. Next night, Brown. Next night, Tatum. Tatum. Next night, Brown. 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 Do you see a pattern there? Like, the, the team is built around Brown and Tatum. That's it. And I think, like, the rest of the league has obviously realized that, like, okay, they definitely can't beat us with both of them. So let's just let one go off. We'll see what happens. Because the, the supporting cast for the Celtics doesn't seem to be kind of pulling it together. All this hubbub about, oh, is Tristan Thompson kind of meshing with the locker room? Like, is he? Or is he not? If he's not, that's a coaching and a playing issue, right? Why, why are we talking about it? Like, because he came from the Cavaliers? Like, or some other team? Like, come on, get over that. Like, this team seems to bring in these players and we can't seem to get past the hump. Like again, with the Bruins, it's like, they're like stuck in fourth gear. Like I get that, like beginning the second part of the season, losing four of your first five doesn't help. It's never going to help kind of, you know, getting off, you know, the, the pitch and, and trying to really pull the court, I guess you could say, and, and just trying to, you know, make your season a bit different, but like you have a team meeting, you win, you beat the magic. The teams are supposed to beat the magic this year. Okay. You lose an OT the next night. Because you've been losing an OT this season, I mean, you got you got teams that you've lost to. You have no business losing to. I don't care that you beat the Clippers. You're supposed to beat the Clippers. I want you to beat the teams in your division instead of being at the bottom of the division or the conference. I just I just don't want to see that. Like, it makes sense to me as Jared Weiss and Sam Amrick wrote and the Athletic that sources say the Celtics are trying to trade for Aaron Gordon. You know, dunk aficionado Aaron Gordon. Because he's reportedly not happy with the magic and wants to be dealt. Haven't we been here before? Haven't we seen players that don't necessarily want to be with their teams? And then we bring them in, but we don't bring them in. We bring one of them in, and then it just messes with the chemistry. Like, Danny, if you're listening, thank you for subscribing to Sass America Podcast. But Danny Ainge, you got to start making some moves without the safety net. And that goes for Brad Stevens, too. If I could talk about the way that the Celtics are playing this year, it's with a goddamn safety net. And I hate it. I absolutely hate it. It just seems like the team is just like fine with being okay. They just think, oh, when the games matter, like we'll find a way to get into the top four. Like we'll try and make a playoff push. Like Brad Stevens is rumored to want the Indiana University men's basketball job. Like, okay, come on. Like the, these are not the things we need to be dealing with this year. And 
I just want the hustle that came from the Celtics team that played like its backs was against the wall all season. I want that this season because it looks like they're stumbling right now from a championship hangover, but they didn't go to the championship. They lost the Eastern Conference Finals, which is a place that they should like pay rent in because that's where they get booted all the time. I've never known a team that can make it to that single place and not get past it. It's like, it's the worst. It's like, it's dread. I would rather they don't make it there. I, I want them to kind of blow things up a little bit and just kind of refit, retool, go back. This team's stuck in fourth gear. This team has had multiple rebuilds with star-studded talent. And when I say talent, I mean talent, capital letters, talent, uppercase T, talent, and now talent, all lowercase, which is where we are right now. Do I think that Brown, Tatum, and Smart are a fantastic trio? Of course they are. You had Kemba in there. That should be a fantastic quartet. Why are they not running teams off the court? It just does not make sense to me. There's just, there's something about this team's like attitude, attitude, feng shui, wrong way. I don't even know what it is. It's just like it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. But if I talked to you about a franchise that had a version of a team that through the years had Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie, Tristan Thompson, Brown, Smart, Walker, who didn't win a goddamn Larry Bryan trophy since 2008, you would call that team a failure. You would. You would say you've had so many iterations where you were able to drift the talent along and you were able to make something and you were, you were able to go deep in the playoffs, but then you fell off. I mean, in, in the time since the last Larry O'Brien trophy that they raised, the Patriots fell off and came back and won three more Super Bowls. What has the Celtics done since that time? It's unfucking acceptable level of basketball play. Like, I don't care that you go to the playoffs. I, I just don't. What is the point of going to the playoffs if you're going to get bounced? It just doesn't make sense. And I think, like, we're getting to the point where either Brown or Tatum is going to get moved before the season's over. The trade deadline's coming up, and I really do think that's going to happen. It sickens me. I don't I don't necessarily want to give one of those pieces away because that's, that's massive. That's massive. But, like, I mean, what are you doing at this point? Are you blowing it up and trying to rebuild around Taco Fall? I mean, of course you should because he's seven foot two. But it's just like you have to build the team more. And it's just like a team that has an embarrassment of riches with three-quarter top talent should not be struggling this hard. That's the and – that, and, I mean, that's the hard part too when you start looking at this league. Uh, it's – you make it to the playoffs. Yeah, are, are, are you playing to win every single year? But – Ultimately, you're going to go up against one of these super teams. Everyone is going to go yeah. through the buzzsaw. That's either Golden State, who's obviously not been, you know, quite as buzzsaw e as they were, you know, early on. But then you got the Lakers, and everyone's, you know, the whole league is forming around these super teams where every division has one of them. Every conference has a couple of them. So yeah. Are you going to make it to the playoffs? And, and will that be like as good as it gets for a lot of teams? Unfortunately, yes, because you don't have four Hall of Famers currently on your roster all playing together, hoping for, you know, some miracle to come out and one of those guys get injured and then your team has a chance. No, I mean, when you look at the Lakers last year, you had like three guys who could pick up if anyone else, you know, kind of fell off the court versus the Celtics, the Heat, and a lot of those teams. Everyone on that team had to play at their peak. And they needed at least, if you were going to go out and one guy was going to ball out, he, need, he needed at least two guys to come in and play like a strong supporting cast for that to happen. 
not one person was going to come in and just LeBron his way through the game. So Anthony Davis, if LeBron was out, would just Anthony Davis through, and LeBron would be good for like 25 points. But you had either Anthony Davis or LeBron James putting up 40-plus points themselves in a game. You have half of your roster combined that put up 40 points. So it's tough. I think of all the leagues that are out there, the NBA is really the biggest one where there's a discrepancy both in spending and ability in the rest of the league, right? Like baseball was another one of those. Like when's the last time you heard the Milwaukee Brewers in the conversation? That's because they spend far less than everyone else in the league or almost everyone else in the league. So if they make it to the playoffs, great. But they're going to go up against a team like the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Dodgers or someone who's going to cut their journey short because at the end of it, money buys talent, and some teams are willing to spend a lot more money on that talent than others. And I think the NBA is one of those leagues where that's going to happen. We could talk about how great they are all season long, but when it comes to the finals and they're going up against a team that has two first ballot Hall of Famers, if not, you know, oh, they needed one more person, need a, a Kuzma to step up. I mean, come on, give me a break. Yeah, but... <laughs> For you to take the heat to seven last year and then for the the heat to be wounded and just walk into the finals and get blanked practically. Like, I think whatever team made it, whatever team made it into that game. Okay. I mean, that that series, that was it. Like, you are, there is a level of NBA play where you are literally playing for second place. I would rather Celtics play for second place than third because it at least shows there's progress. I would I would rather the Celtics a game. get a whole bunch of silver medals because they're gonna be pissed off that they're gonna be getting the silver medal when they want to stay on the top of the podium. That's what it I comes know, down they, to, Tim. But they missed like, it by a game. They pushed them to seven. They missed it by a game. Yes, and why did it go to seven? Because they could not keep the tempo because, up. They couldn't put they couldn't put their foot on the throats of the Miami Heat because they allowed people to go off. Like, oh, they're doing and, the same and, thing this season. I just. Oh, oh, I'm getting a headache. I'm so old. I'm getting stress headaches. I'm just kidding. I'm just saying that, like, this team has had too much talent come through their doors to be on that court to not put some stuff together. It just does not make sense to me. It just really doesn't. I would have preferred that maybe you kind of go a little bit smaller and maybe a guy like Tice isn't playing for us anymore. Or us, the Celtics. Maybe a guy like you know Tice gets gets moved, and and you try and find a way to keep Scary Terry under the under the cap, right? You'd have been smaller, yes. Could you have been faster? Of course. And then if something are not working out, and you want to you want to go too big, so you could have Taco and maybe this Aaron Gordon thing. Like, do I think Aaron Gordon is going to absolutely change the Celtics if he comes? I mean, maybe, maybe not. The guy's pissed. He, you know, he's he's not happy in Orlando. Like, good. We, we, I I want those types of players, right? We love those blue chip players in the New England area, right? Like you want that, but at the same time, it's just like, folks, this is not normal. And I think we've become so accustomed to seeing teams made to the postseason that we're just like, Oh, we made it to the Eastern conference finals, but they lost. Like, oh, nah, they'll, they'll be back next year. What is the point when they continue to go to the Eastern conference finals and they get bounced? Like you need the killer instinct at some point, And I just don't know that this team necessarily has it. And I don't think it's the players necessarily. I think it's an organizational thing. I think it's from, you know, GM all the way down. Like, I think there needs to be a bit of a shakeup. I'm not, I'm not calling for Steven's head. I don't want him gone. I think what he's done with the team is fantastic, but 
and you, you're replacing a guy like Rivers, like it's very difficult to get in those shoes anyways. Like, but uh, it's it's just too much right now. It's just too much. Like we 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 expect this team to be doing better. I mean, maybe that's because the expectation of New England sports teams is that they they're fantastic. They're always going to win. They're they're always going to make the postseason. And maybe we're just so spoiled that whenever we see something redlining at 6,500 RPMs instead of 8,300 RPMs, we act like the, the skies fall. Yeah, I was going to say, how many how many teams throughout the league don't even make it into the playoffs, and now we're complaining about them not making it deep into the playoffs? So let's let's take it with a grain of salt. There's I mean, plenty of I mean, teams out can. there who haven't, who haven't sniffed the playoffs in years, and here we are complaining because we lost game seven of, uh, you know, the conference finals last year and barely yeah, missed but, the NBA finals. But it, I would rather you, like some I'd rather you lose. I'd rather you lose in the NBA finals against the team that of had course, Anthony Davis and LeBron. Everybody would. Everybody yeah. would rather their team lose. But in the, the way finals that they're playing they're, right now, they're, they're eighth. The, they're, they're eighth in their yeah. own conference. The way that they're playing is just like it. Just seems like they're they're packing it in. They're mailing it in. Oh, we had we had a players only meeting. Fantastic. Every Agreed. time I hear someone say they had a players only meeting. Guess what? A Seth Wickersham article is coming out, and your team is destructing. <laughs> like, I, like, don't I, tell I, people you had a t a players only meeting because like it's only going to fuel speculation about what is or isn't happening in the right. team. And I and I agree with this season. I agree that there's something wrong with this season. Like I said, I I personally I feel like there's something in there that's affecting the chemistry. They've all either just decided to mail it in this season. They're just not feeling the season. I don't know. But when you were saying that like why bother going to the playoffs over the last two seasons just to lose? That's That feels like a disingenuous argument because how many teams, how many fans in the league, what, what it sounds like is spoiled New England fandom because how many other, it, that sounds exactly like I sounded when I said I was ready for a losing season because I forgot what it was like to root for a 500 team. And I got that. I wish you season, had a memory like great. an elephant, but you don't. it feels it feels exactly like what when i said that to say like why bother going to the playoffs you're just gonna lose it's because you made it to the playoffs and there's you know 20 other teams that didn't every there's there's teams who haven't sniffed the playoffs in in many many moons so i won't go quite as far as you will to say that you know why bother going if you're gonna lose but i do think that something needs to change there's something off but Anyway, 100%. 100%. For the Boston Tri, I was going to say, for the Boston Trifecta, let's talk about the other team that we're wondering if they're going to make the playoffs this year. You mean the uh, Revolution, the MLS team? What do they even play? Are they playing right now? (laughs) You don't even know. You don't even know, Jim. I will be the first to say that I don't know uh, anything about what is uh, American. Uh, football, MLS, football, <clears throat> soccer. Yeah, well, um, but, I wouldn't know about the Revolution either because I'm a Seattle Sounders fan. <laughs> two two ships. What you know about that? Anyways, <laughs> uh, you must be referring to the folks who used to occupy what was called Yaki Way, who used to play for a sports group that was also they also owned uh, Real Madrid, but now. You're you're referring to the LeBron James co-owned <laughs> yeah, Boston yeah, Red yeah, yeah. Sox. And What's the you know, stake in that, by the way? I think it's like two percent. 
two percent, which is like, and, and for all of you, like, oh, whatever, two percent. That two percent is worth about fifteen times your net worth. So I don't want to hear it. Like this, yeah. LeBron was just like, two percent. Here, here you go. Um, because they own part of Real Madrid, they own Roush Fenway Racing. They have mm-hmm. their hands. I don't know like if it's tentacles. If it's Real Madrid. I, I, yeah, I got, I got to check they, that. They own part of a part of a European soccer league, a soccer team. Um, we'll find out right now. But anyway, yeah, I wonder. I, I don't know what his full stake in as a whole, but I can only imagine what uh, either Los Angeles fans or uh, like Ohio fans must be thinking right now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's not Real Madrid. It's Liverpool. That's what it is. Ah, Liverpool. Liverpool. Another, one, another one of those. Like I said, yeah, I yeah. obviously well, don't know anything about European football either. Oh, no, but, but I mean, you, you got to watch all or nothing on Amazon Prime. Uh, before we get deep into this, Tim, I, I got to say something. When we talked about top five this summer, right, one of the, the past episodes of season one of Sassy Matter, go download it. Um, you, you talked about, like, I don't know if you said honorable mention or if you actually put Field of Dreams in your top five, but I was like, whatever. It's like it's like I watched. I, I was out. I was out to dinner the other night, and they were doing like this like movie on the patio, and they had Field of Dreams, and I, I knew when I sat down, I was like, oh, it's Field of Dreams, and then I I just found myself watching it, and we actually got about like we sat down like halfway through, and I felt kind of bad because I wasn't really paying attention to most of the dinner because I'm just like, this movie's really good, like really good, and then like I felt the tears kind of well up my eyes towards the end. I'm like, God damn it! Now I gotta like, now I gotta admit that this is like, it's undisputed. Okay, Field of Dreams is a top five sports movie. Like there no matter is. what, like it's it's I I don't even like baseball that much, but like I didn't I haven't seen that movie in years, and I just I caught it halfway through, and by the end of it, I'm balling like a little puppy dog. Like yeah. there's not many movies sports wise that can do that. Hoosiers didn't do that. Rudy didn't do that. Um, Point Break, which is not really a sports movie, but you know, surfing. Dude, Point Break. <laughs> what? It's a surfing is a sport. movie. Surfing is a sport. Sure. So skydiving, yeah. and they do both of that in that movie. So I guess uh, that's, that's, you that's got a twofer. True. Yeah. Two, twofer. Uh, okay. So, yeah, I, I had to go and, and cover Point that break. up. But, uh, that was oh, pretty no. great, right? Speaking of memory as an elephant on wolves, never let you live that town, calling that a sports <laughs> movie. Uh, um, I mean, the Fast and Furious is just, you know, they're, they're stock car racing movies, really, if you think about it. All right, let's, let's let's get back here. Okay, so we got opening day. It's like me saying Sox. Fury is a Fury is a romance movie because of that little romance piece in the middle. Fury, you mean the tank movie? <laughs> yeah. Well, war is a sport. It's it's subjective. No, I said that would be like me saying the movie Fury was a romance movie because there is a few minutes in the middle where the young man romances a woman. Well, might as well know. call it a romance flick. I'm not the motion picture <laughs> association of America. I don't make these decisions. I'm not, I'm not the Academy. All right. right let me help but you. I... Point break is not a sports movie. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> so <laughs> opening day, April 1st, yeah. we are going to have fans in the stands. Um, some States, like we talked about last episode, Texas are going to have full fans in the stands and some are going to, you know, kind of phase them in as uh, the COVID protocols are relaxed. But I think that we can say that there is a ton of, on the line this year for a lot of MLB teams who really kind of want to get over the hump. Last year was a, a season. It was kind of, you know, it was weird. It was in a, it was in a bubble somewhat. Um, there were outbreaks. There were teams that missed lots of games. And uh, we obviously got to the point where we were able to crown a champion. 
that champion, the Los Angeles Dodgers, wants to make sure that everyone knows they are still the king of the court. You know, the person to take him out out to the field. You know, you can you can put whoever you want in that other dugout, but like we're gonna take you to nine innings or 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 more. And they were so nice, so nice in buying a billboard. Did you see this shit, Tim? They bought a billboard that said thank you for Mookie. Fuck those guys. And it's outside of Fenway. That's the worst fucking part. It's outside of Fenway. So, like, you know you're going to catch that shit on a broadcast this year. You're going to be watching Nessa, and you're going to be like, oh, that's so weird. What's on the other side? Oh, that's that fucking billboard that they bought. And it's just like. I hope hope out of spite they build higher stands so they don't see it. It would be nice. I don't think it's going to happen. But it's just I, a sign facing the back of Fenway seats that are already sold out. Yeah, right. That's the wildest thing. You you see some of these uh, these projected opening days, and, and the standing room only tickets are going for like four hundred bucks a piece. So I'll wait for the you know the calamity to come down. But uh, I, I got to ask you, Tim. Yeah. Since we're talking about teams, and I don't think that the Patriots, even though they spent a ton of free agency this year, I don't think they're going to bring them uh, a Lombardi, right? And the Bruins are struggling, so I'm not sure that they're going to bring home the, uh, the trophy there either. And I just, you know, Lord Stanley's Cup. And I, I just kind of want to know, if the Celtics aren't going to bring home Larry O'Brien, what are the chances that the Red Sox actually compete and go deep this year? Uh, I, I Please tell me your thoughts. L- let me know where you think that the hiccups are, because I'm not sure that necessarily what we saw last season is just what they're going to just push forward and, we're going to build upon that. I, I don't know if it's just me being pessimistic or just my expectations because of what we've expected from sports in the past. That they, they uns, they, it, it sets the bar too high to begin with. I'm not really sure. I, I just don't see it this year. I feel like if there's a rebuilding year, it's going to be this year. Uh, I won't go so far as to say it's a rebuilding year. I also won't go so far as to say that both the Bruins and the Celtics are out this season. They're they each are like a quarter of a way through their season. So I'm going to pump the brakes on that one a little bit. I mean, pump, pump. we'll see what happens. Um, uh, I got I to gotta be the non-believer. I, I got there's someone. There's, there's always someone on the podcast. who has got to do it. And it's got to be me. All right. I'll, I'll let you hold up that mantle. Um, I don't know. I don't necessarily think it's going to be a rebuilding year. I think this year is going to be an interesting one to say the least. I think Chris Sale is going to work his way back in, but may not really contribute maybe until next year. He had a lot of, he had off season surgery for anybody who doesn't know. Um, he tends to be somewhat injury prone, which is some of the risk we knew as we brought him in and he had a decent season and then he kind of faltered a little bit, kind of prolonged and prolonged and then had uh, Tom John surgery in the off season. Um, that's going to be an interesting one to see how he comes uh, back and whether or not he finds a way to compete. They're going to need to sign a couple more pitchers to round out their rotation if they want to kind of balance that out because you have Avaldi who also runs the risk of being injury prone. And if he goes down, um, you're really in a tough spot. I think Matt Barnes is going to end up coming out of the bullpen and closing the season because I think he did a fine job of it. Uh, I think Evaldi had one of his best seasons uh, last season, but he only made, I don't know if it was like eight or nine starts because of various like injuries or or things that kept him out of the lineup. And I think if that continues with the absence of Chris Hill, 
that's gonna be a little tricky. Uh, Erod, he's a question mark, having coming back from COVID. Obviously, and I know this is gonna be like, well, baseball is not a real sport. It doesn't require as much athletic prowess. But I'm gonna have fucking whatever. nightmares in the way you just spoke that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> just gotta be honest. <laughs> that's that's the that's the sound of trolls on the internet. Um, and yeah, sure, you're right. It's not the same as basketball. It's not the same as football, whatever. But it still has effects. I can confirm that by having to mute my microphone every few seconds so I can cough without blowing out your eardrums. So mm. um, there are lots of things on the list that are big question marks. The night, I mean, the, the, the balance to that is the Sox have always had a very, very good farm team, and they have guys who could be slated to come up and take over starting positions. Um, you have Bobby Dahlbeck, who's up for the job at first base, who may ultimately end up taking it. Uh, you have Jaron Duran, who's a young prospect that came up, who, you know, he struggled a little bit in the, uh, in the Puerto Rican League as far as hitting goes, but the man can run incredibly incredibly well the big question mark is that he plays center field so obviously it's going to take some moving around i think with mookie moving on and seeing some of the success that he has had if this team struggles a little bit you're going to start seeing maybe one or two other big name players opt into free agency and one of those guys who's on the list this year is jackie bradley jr which would kill me because I thought he was sort of maybe a lesser Mookie Betts, but I th I was thought of him as the same caliber or style of player. Like he's in that same tier. I thought Mookie Betts was a little better when it came to hitting. JBJ tends to be a little bit more streaky, but he's an amazing outfielder. And in the absence of Mookie, I thought, I thought Jackie Bradley would step up and take over that spot between him and JD Martinez. I thought that would round that outfield out nicely. Um, JD Martinez is another player we've seen that's been somewhat streaky, who had a, a crazy year. Last year kind of stumped a little bit. I think this year he kind of bounces back a little bit or at least sort of gravitates back towards, you know, what he's normally played like. So I think there's a lot of question marks coming into this season. We've got. Pitching rotation, what happens there? We don't have a, a dedicated closer yet. we got to figure out what's going on there. Last season, they tried that rotating, you know, whoever's available to close. We'll kind of move on with that. And we've seen yeah. it It had its peak, and then it didn't. Um, and the problem with that, that, that theory is it led them to a, a World Series trophy. A yeah. few years ago. When, when, they, when, they, when they faced the Dodgers, and they threw everything they possibly had. And then yep. trotted them back out there the next night. It's it's almost like they thought like, oh shit, this this approach works. But like, you you need hitters. Yep. But quite frankly, this team needs closers more. Yep. I think you know what I mean because like some of these last games they've they've won. You know they've they've won like fourteen to six or whatever. But they've also been they've also really kind of been outscored in a lot of these yeah. games. I, I mean personally, I just think like you know, that's a very big thing. You bring up Barnes. Um, over the monster talks about Ottavino uh, as well, and uh, good problems if, to have. I think if one of those two can shore up the closing position and we can continue to bolster some of our hitting, I think we'll be fine. We got 
Hunter Renfo, who will be on uh, on the team this year, he hit uh, I think 32, 33 home runs in 2019. Big right-handed slugger. He tends to hit high, long fly balls, so Green Monster should be no problem for him. I think if he can come back, Jackie Bradley can get in the groove of being that sort of reliable base hit guy, put one out every now and again, and then J.D. Martinez bounces back and brings some of his power back. I think it opens up the door for uh, some some pretty good opportunities. I mean, Cora coming back is going to be a big help, whether or not you agree with him coming back or not, or his suspension or any of that. Um, let's talk about that. Let, let, let's, let's talk about that for a second. If, if we're talking about a team rebuilt, well, I mean, you don't think they're rebuilding. I, I think that they've, they've got some some room to grow there. I do think that like what the league did to punish Cora was by by the letter of the law, but I don't think that there is there is someone as a manager outside of Francona, right, that has had the effect on the team that Cora has. Yep. Personally, I, I, I don't I don't watch a ton of baseball, right? But I just know that they play different. I know that he he motivates those those guys to to play in a different way, and and yep. I like the product that's brought out. So what do we do in America? You fuck up. We drag you through the mud for like 18 to 24 months. You come back. Everyone loves a redemption story. Cora's not looking at this as a redemption story. Cora's out for blood. I, I think that could help the team. But I think if you're trying to figure out who's going to be the, the reliever, if you're trying to figure out like, you know, where you're going to generate this offense from, and, and is it going to have to, you know, bounce back and forth between a couple of these, 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 these players you have, like, I just don't think it's necessarily the best way to go into the season specifically. Like in the month alone, you got 10 wins. Seven losses. When you win, you win big. And 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 I understand it's spring training, like you know, you call it the Grapefruit League, whatever. Like it, these these games don't necessarily matter, but you're getting a ton of experience. And like when the green light flashes and and you're all go, you're going to get the best team every every single time, right? And that's the problem with a lot of these Boston franchises. Like you've built this this ideation that you're one of the big kids in the block. Like you have to come out and play like it. You you can't have these ten game stretches where you're splitting games or you're, you're losing a ton of them. And then you have a couple of games where your bats come alive. Like you need to be consistent. Agreed. And I think they got enough young talent to sort of round out the, the stars that they do have. Ben attendee needs to figure his shit out. He was supposed to be, oh, one yeah. of those like top prospect or not top prospects. He was one of, he was supposed to be one of those players that kind of carried on the future of, uh, of the team and it just hasn't quite materialized and unfortunately he has guys nipping at his heels we already talked about one a little earlier but alex verdugo last year came in like fifth in mvp voting and if he was on a team that had done anything more than what the red sox did there's a solid chance he might have taken that spot or at least landed a little higher up on the food chain I mean, he was 308, he had an 844 on-base percentage. I mean, he was doing very, very good things. Had he been on a team that was in the conversation going into the playoffs, might have been a very different look. So I think if Ben Attendee comes out and struggles a little bit, Jackie Bradley gets traded, this guy's going to step up and really fill in some gaps. But really what we need is everybody to kind of be firing at all cylinders at all times. We're going to have like these streaky starts where... You know, someone like JBJ is hitting 
24 30 for like six or seven games and everyone else on the team is hitting for like 210 like that's not going to get it done our closing and our pitching has been our biggest struggle in my not all of it but in most I of mean, my, like red the, dot, my red Sox yeah, like fandom the, the, the past few years but not go beyond the last few years i'm 38 years old and most years watching the red Ooh, Sox. you old Oh, I know. Most years watching the Red Sox, <laughs> pitching has almost always been their question mark. I mean, you had a couple years in the in the middle where they were the the idiots, where they were stringing together really successful st- seasons. But with some of that pitching, yeah, some of that was definitely pitching. But a lot of that was more playing the field, the team play together, defensive plays, hitting. It was an overall package. But there haven't been many years where you're like. That pitching has been outstanding from the Red Sox. It's not. I. I no. 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 It's no. been a few years since 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 the series win. Right. Even when Papelbon was in, he. I mean, he was amazing. He was stellar. But even then, there were some seasons where you're like, okay, well, is he the question mark? And sometimes it kind of faltered a little bit in big games. But obviously, uh, he was there long enough that he he was great. You had like. Every year you've had guys who have filled in spots who have been super reliable, and we haven't had one of those guys. It's easy to have short-term memory and say, oh, Nathan Valdi that got us into the, the World Series. Well, yeah, that was his like best year ever. He should have been he should have won the MVP for that year, in my opinion. Uh, but that's not him as a whole. That was him in a small microcosm of a season or even further in a playoff season where he stepped up like that. So um, a lot of things need to be done. I think they need to spend a decent amount of money on their pitching rotation and really for once try and shore it up a little bit with guys who aren't as injury prone, are a little bit more reliable. Maybe maybe bust out that checkbook and, and spend a little money on at least one or two guys who are going to be up for signing this season. But... Yeah, I, I would agree, right? Like, I, I think the, the priorities are definitely pitching yep. and defense. Yep. And, I, and and that's just not because, like, you, you let you let Mookie go and you, and you didn't overpay for whatever that was going to be. Like, all right, cool. But, like, if if you let that, that part of your offense go, you have to show up the other parts. Like, you you got to keep the games close. You know what I mean? Um, as weird as it sounds for the average viewer who – is not a baseball fan, you know, a four to three win in nine innings. You're like, ah, whatever. But like, really you're kind of on the, on the edge of your seat in you know, the eighth and the ninth, because you're waiting for that, that closer, that reliever to come out there and really make a difference. Uh, And if they don't, you really know, like, Oh God, I don't think I have pitching ever again, even if it's like a regular season game, but especially more in the postseason. But you know, this team and, and maybe rebuild when I said it at the beginning part of the segment was probably too much. I think what they need to do is they need to retool. They, they got to shift around some of their priorities. They might have been an offensive team in the past because they had the firepower to do it. But I think right now what they should be focusing on is, again, pitching and defense, you know, making sure that those those folks that are in the, the you know midfield are, are really the, the top of what they have. And maybe that's what Cora is trying to do by trying to move around some of these people, trying to get some competition out. I, I do think we'll see some changeups that, you know, we're not exactly expecting to see in the lineup. But I also have to just hope – as baseball comes back to like 
the Red Sox play enough relevant baseball to just constantly be getting those primetime games. You're not just waiting to see them on Nesson. You're, you're trying to see them on the worldwide leader or, you know, Fox sports or, or trying to see if they're going to, you know, have coverage. If you got Paramount plus, you can watch them on the yes network, right. You know, against those hated New York Yankees. Like those are the types of things I want to get back to. Um, Baseball like spring has sprung and, and we're, we're right there. And I just, I just want the product to be great. And I don't necessarily want to be sitting and maybe again, this is, this is probably based off of the fact that we're so used to ubiquity in winning but I just want them to go far this year or not at all. I, I don't want them to make it to the ALCS and then you know, get bounced. Here we go again. Got to be a world series or bust. I, I mean, <laughs> is it that, that like, that's, that's what professionals say they play the game for. But then the reality is you're following somewhere close. You want to shoot for the world series. And if you end the ALDS, cool. Or you end the ALCS, cool. Like they don't necessarily kill the, but to it's say difficult you would rather to explain. them not make it than go out in the playoffs, I think. Yes, because yeah, because Pete, all right, put put your little tinfoil hat on for a second. People I'm say, not, oh, I'm not course, putting tinfoil hat. First. I'm saying you may have washed your <laughs> white hat with your pink sock. No, 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 not at all. Yeah, maybe with your red sock. You walked it with a red sock, <laughs> kind of blended in together. Yeah. No, I I just I just don't necessarily think that like everything that I've seen from the team in the past few years has been like over the top. And maybe it's just because I'm an emotional fan. I'm just like, oh my god, we lost Mookie. Oh my god, this. Yeah. Oh my god, that. Right. But like um Benatendi and you know, Valdi and Sale, Barnes, like, okay. To me, like on paper, that should be a scary bullpen. It should. Yeah. I just I don't necessarily think the rest of the league thinks that. Um and and don't tell me about what's going on in spring training because you can't blank a team 14 to 6 and then lose the next game by the same amount. You know what I mean? That just lets me know that you're trying to go through the motions. So I can't really take that as like actual physical baseball and you're learning anything. It's just you're you're just going through the motions, you're trying to get guys time on the on the field and see what's going to happen, but we're yeah. going to know about 20 to 30 games in if this experiment that core is trying with uh with Barnes and, and the other closer, Ottavino, if, if it's actually going to work out or not, or if it's like, oh, maybe we need to stick with one and then just kind of kind of go that way. So, I mean, yep. I, guess, I guess we'll see what happens, but I don't get the I don't get the warm I, and fuzzy necessarily. I mean, I'm excited for for opening day. Peanuts, Cracker Jack gets you a nice Miller Light, little Miller Latte up there in the stands. But I just don't necessarily <laughs> think, all things considered, when it comes to the Red Sox, I'm just like, oh yeah. This is fine. This is great. Yeah, I think I'm they're struggling. in a better position. I think they're in a better position than were last year, having like a a a legitimate head coach. So we'll see, man. We'll see. I think there's a lot of question marks. Um, I think a lot of them will get answered early on. I think as long as we see, you know, Xander, Bogarts, and Bradley Jr. and J.D. Martinez and those guys really bounce back and and you know, Xander had a pretty good season last year. Um, Jackie had kind of an up and down season, uh, but finished out pretty strong. I think if the three of those guys can put up a lot of offense, they could shore up a little bit of that pitching. I, I do think it's a team that's, that could do well with some solid coaching. So we'll yeah, see, man. Well, we'll see. I'm just well. excited. Uh, I am just excited for some baseball. That's all. 
And let's be honest, you could be the Seattle Mariners and things could be not be going according to plan whatsoever. So, yeah, so how did you end up a Seattle MLS fan, a Seattle Seahawks fan, but you're still a Boston Red Sox fan, a Bruins fan, and a Celtics fan? How, what? How, one plus one plus two plus two just... Plus five is the square root of uh, Carry the one. a pie day to the, to I won't, the exponent I won't, I won't of four. Judge your, I won't judge your fandom. I was just curious. No, I, no I mean, I, I, I didn't grow up necessarily a Patriots fan. I didn't grow up like really like following baseball or any of those other sports. So like mm-hmm. for me necessarily when, when the army moved me to Washington state, I was like, okay, like I'm going to, I'm going to declare for the Seahawks and, and, uh, you know, went to a couple of Sounders games and really follow all that stuff, like, you know, close to the vest. And, and that's kind of where they came from, but I never mm-hmm. like, I mean, when when I went to uh, Mariners games, I wore a Red Sox shirt <laughs> underneath yeah, my, my underneath, underneath my plaid. You know what I'm saying? Like I wasn't like I wore a nondescript like North Face hat, but I, you uh, could see, see the red B. I like see, I let the, people know. I'm the guy strolling into Yankee Stadium wearing a. Uh, well, I haven't been yet. To clarify, but if I strolled into <laughs> okay, Yankee Stadium, I'm the guy strolling in. Uh, in my dreams. Uh, I, I've gone. No, no. I've gone to. Uh, I've gone to New York on many occasions for both work and pleasure, and I've proudly strutted around with my uh, my Red Sox. Oh, yeah, I would, you have to. You have I would to. stroll. I would stroll into. Uh, I would stroll into Yankee Stadium. I know it's a, a a shit show. I don't understand why that's the case when it comes to the sports. But um, shout out to my wife, who's a Yankees fan. The first date we ever. Not not the first date. It was the, the one of the first few dates we'd ever gone on. We went to a Sox Yankees game, and while she wasn't quite brave enough to wear Yankee logos, she did wear uh, like Yankee colors, like blue and white stripes, and all that stuff. And we sat in the season ticket holder section because the tickets were were given to us. And it was about halfway through the game that you know everyone was kind of joking around amongst all of us, and and sort of the the cat was let out of the bag that she was a Yankees fan. And they playfully gave her a hard time before like welcoming her into, uh, you know, into their fold baseball and, and all that stuff. So that, that was all in good fun. You got to watch out for the bleachers though. If you're out in the bleacher section, those guys are just fucking idiots. Don't worry about them. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and that goes, that goes for both for every Sox, team that goes for New York. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't matter. If you're uh, in the bleachers, those guys are just looking for something to do. Most of them will playfully give you a hard time, but there's going to be that one or two try hard. I was, I was standing in line at a Bruins playoff game to go to the bathroom, and some dude heard I lived in Charlestown and just decided to go off on people who lived in Charlestown. So you literally can't win. I rob, no, you- I rob people from Charlestown. Charlestown can have the monument. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> And these are all conversations we haven't had in the last year because of goddamn COVID-19. So get your vaccines, folks. Wear your mask, social distance. We want to have these conversations again in person at the trough. Let's go. All right, let's, let's go. go. All right, well, that has been episode four, season mm. two. Stats don't matter. I will do the outro in English. I Thank that's you. that's your that's your yeah. <laughs> not that not that I don't not that I don't appreciate uh other dialects, other ethnicities. Uh mm-hmm. shout out to all of our Asian friends. We sympathize with everything that you guys are feeling and going through right now. We yes, really feel for definitely. you. Um but uh it is nice to know and understand what you're saying because I'm not fluent in Spanish. So okay. uh <laughs> hashtag get learnt. Okay. Yeah. That's what you gotta do there. 
So, obviously, Tim, we've had some good UFC fights lately. But there's been a COVID cancellation for the next UFC fight. This UFC fight's actually going to have fans in it. I wonder if you're going to watch the card. We might talk about it. There's been some golf that's happened. There's been some free agency stuff. And again, hate to burst your bubble, but Russell Carrington Wilson is still a goddamn Seattle Seahawks. So life is great. Okay. We're going to end this episode and we're going to talk about how. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to chat about this. All right. Everyone, thank you for downloading, listening, sharing, subscribing to this Tasker podcast. <laughs> or as I'd call it, Estaticos No Importa. Uh, we appreciate all the support. And we're going to go ahead and end this episode right now. Peace. Cheers, everybody.